0: Hello and welcome to the FT Advisor podcast, the weekly podcast series brought to you by ftadvisor.com. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the industry to discuss the week in news and some of the most pressing industry issues. I'm Ellie Duncan, Features Editor of FT Advisor and Financial Advisor. Joining me today is Justin King, Chartered Financial Planner and Certified Financial Planner at MFP Wealth Management. Welcome, Justin.
1: Hi. Thanks, Ellie.
0: Well thanks for joining us today and first of all I'd like to ask about um, your own retirement podcast which you launched fairly recently the Retirement Cafe podcast. What prompted you to, to start that conversation?
1: Well um, we, we'd been holding some live events for the last couple of years called the Retirement Cafe and they were um, kind of quarterly events that we would invite Anyone in the local area, or in fact, any area, to come along and discuss retirement issues. So, and they'd gone down really well. We, you know, we got big audiences and we were covering lots of stuff from powers of attorney to, you know, having a will to investing in retirement to, you know, all the kind of retirement issues of health and longevity and um, illnesses and that type of thing. And just thought, you know, the conversations were so rich and varied that we thought, more people need to know about this, and how could we expand this um, conversation? I suppose out to the wider the wider population.
0: I mean, that's that's something, isn't it? Those kind of topics you mentioned there can be quite difficult issues to discuss with clients, even for some of the most experienced advisors. I would imagine.
1: Yeah, I think so. And. Uh, you know the, the the beauty about the live events was that we had this kind of interaction, I suppose, but also the understanding of we started to get understand what people didn't know and what people what really worried them. That those three a.m. moments that were they would get really concerned about, and then thought, you know, people don't have access. They don't always have access to financial advice. They don't always have access to lawyers and tax people and and medics and all this type of thing so they don't have access to this information so that's what we were really trying to do with the podcast is try and give this information to that wider audience so they become better informed and therefore hopefully have a kind of happier and more content fulfilled retirement
0: that kind of brings us on actually to something that's been in the news this week and we've covered in in this week's issue of financial advisor which is that um, so, retirees are drawing, withdrawing more than £3.2 billion um, as a lump sum from pension pots, but they're doing this without any financial advice. At least that's what Saga found uh, from its analysis. So, um, first of all, is that surprising to you, or is this what you are seeing yourself?
1: Um, I'm not seeing it myself, no. Obviously, the people I see aren't taking the advice. So, um, I'm not surprised. And... Uh, there's an element of me which kind of goes, okay. So, uh, can I quantify that large number um, with how many people that would be, and what those sums would be, and whether there's huge tax implications of that, you know, or is it just lots of small pots that actually people need to need to get hold of, and. You know, it is their money. (laughs) So they should be allowed to withdraw it. And, uh, okay, we've got to make sure that they've got the insight and the education to understand the implications of that withdrawal, Um, not only on the tax front. You know, that's probably the big thing everyone's thinking, oh, gosh, do they realize they've got all these large tax bills to come to play? But they may not have. I mean, they may be non-taxpayers. They may have done the research themselves. Then also, what will they do, you know, for retirement income if they've gone and and spent it all on debt, etc.? But it still might be the right thing to do. So it's difficult just to take into isolation that they're doing the wrong thing. Um, I think what we need to make sure is that we hopefully as best possible educate the the world that actually, um, you know, there are implications of this decision.
0: I mean, the the analysis goes on to show that I think one in 10 respondents would consider or had relied on advice from friends, family members and colleagues to inform their financial decisions. So I suppose that means that either they think um, it's possible they just don't see the value in seeking out financial advice in that case, isn't it? So what, what does the industry, the advice industry, need to do in order to sort of promote itself a bit better to these kinds of people?
1: Well, I suppose the question, of course, really is, is that are these the right clients for the business in the first place? Mm-hmm. I mean, I appreciate that we could offer... A, I suppose it's a little bit like why I'm doing the Retirement Cafe podcast is because I actually want to inform lots of people who I wouldn't really generally be serving anyway. Um, but I still would love people to make better, sound financial decisions. So, you know, we have a genuine, I think those financial advisors would have a genuine want for people to make great, smart decisions around their money. But it doesn't mean that we can serve everybody. Not everyone can afford our fees. -hmm. And therefore, what we need to be doing ideally is, you know, maybe some kind of pro bono stuff, but maybe some just pure education from by the providers, maybe of actually look before you make these decisions. You know, think about it. These are the key concerns, and and you know, you may be able to access some isolated advice from good advisors around this one only subject. Um, But you know, as we know, advice. Is costly because of um, all the hoops we get, need to jump through to know our client and to know their circumstances, and so people need to be able to pay afford. First of all, be able to afford to pay for it, and second of all, um, yeah, you're right. See the value, but the value has to be commensurate, I suppose, with the, um, the you know, the, the amount of money someone's withdrawing.
0: Yeah, I suppose they might just need one-off advice. Then They're not going to have to see an advisor you know, more than once a year or even once every few years possibly. So actually that could be a way of, of keeping costs to a minimum.
1: Yeah, and we're you know we, I don't know what other advisors are doing, but we're 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 running some of our more live events, and we'll probably cover this in the podcast in the fu- in, a, in a future episode. But how to take your pension pot, and we'll offer that out to you know we're running that in conjunction with some uh, solicitors and accountants across the Bournemouth and Dorset area, and it'll be available to everyone, and people will be able to come in and they'll be able to have a ch- you know they'll be able to listen to us talk about how to access it, and this won't be an individual advice, it'll be generic, it'll be but it'll be. About those implications and those um, and the circumstances. Now, of course, we won't be able to touch everybody, but we—it's we, a—it's a good flag-waving exercise, I think, and provides value for the for your local community.
0: Moving on to another story that's in Financial Advisor this week. Um, this is about the Department for Work and Pensions considering whether it will need to legislate on simpler annual statements. So. Um, There was a debate uh, in Parliament on auto-enrolment and the Pensions Minister, uh, Guy Opperman, said that all private sector businesses that provide pensions will be giving a simple two-page statement to all their customers. I mean, that seems like quite a sensible idea, don't you think?
1: Absolutely, Ellie. I mean, of of course, you know, providing the information in a a way that's easy to understand and hopefully get people to engage with it has always got to be darn useful. I've seen some... intelligible you know um, statements in, in the past and and also a lot of people who aren't getting a statement at all for whatever i, I don't quite understand how that happens nowadays but they you know they the, the pensions are lost um and they and they spend a huge amount of time trying to actually get out, the, out of the scheme administrations or the trustees you know the information that they require so yeah it is a challenge so maybe legislation is the only way
0: Okay. Um, And uh, it is something that um, I know some providers have have suggested would be um, a useful way of encouraging people to engage more with their pensions, because that's something that, you know, people nowadays, they might be auto enrolled, but there's still not that much engagement, is there?
1: No. And of course, I suppose if, you know, I don't know how engaged I was in my early 20s. I mean, you know, as I approach 50, I'm getting much more engaged
0: in my pension. And so, when you're um, starting up this kind of com- conversation with with your own clients about what they might want to kind of achieve uh, in retirement, and therefore how much they need to save, how do you how do you approach that, and how do you make them kind of open up in a way that's going to be um, helpful for them, because it will mean that they'll get the right kind of pension outcomes ultimately?
1: Yeah, I suppose. That if I only actually work with people who are close to retirement or entering into retirement the actual kind of working out what they need to save is is not really something that i get asked a huge amount of course the clients of you know children of clients do ask me that question it's a service that we do provide um um, yeah and trying to actually get them to you know real youngsters to try and picture that is, is is ridiculously difficult i think getting into the habit of saving early is of course the key thing to do um for, for for my retired clients or people just entering into retirement, the big thing they've got to work out is how much can they afford to spend without running out of money? And that's the big key number. It's just like, OK, so I don't know how long I'm going to live. I don't, I don't know what investment returns are going to be. Um, uh, so how much can I draw down in those early years when I maybe have the vitality and uh, uh, the want to... To travel to new places and to do exciting things, maybe more so than I have when I'm in my 80s, late 80s or 90s, um, and, and that's a real key issue as well. So they want fulfilled lives, they want the extraordinary, um, fantastic retirements, but getting that balance with the, the, the income that they draw down um, and making sure they've got money left over for the later life. You know, that's the, that's a that is a big conversation and a challenging one.
0: And you mentioned there that often you might hear from, from your clients' children. I mean, we've heard a lot about the kind of intergenerational wealth transfer that's going to happen or is happening. Um, and the fact that uh, financial advisors are going to need to find this kind of new pipeline of clients. So how do you find those conversations go with the kind of younger generation who might be getting past quite a significant amount of wealth?
1: Yeah, I think the trick is is to engage with these people early. So as soon as they, as soon as you know your client's children have started working, you know, give them some, give them, get on the phone, get them into the office, get a discussion going on with them. So give them a bit of guidance um, about how they can, you know, save well and invest well, and and what, they, what this pension that they suddenly be auto enrolled to actually means. And then you've already created some kind of relationship. You've created some kind of trusted um, rapport. That that, that when they do eventually inherit that wealth, that maybe that you're 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 the point of contact, so that you can be the the, the helpful guide um, into what they do next. Of course, what I do find is the next generation are quite indebted. You know, they're buying house prices, uh, you know, expensive houses or expensive values more so than expensive houses. But it, the, cost of, the cost of housing, as you know, is expensive and, they, and they've got a big a lot of debt. Um, and probably the first call for majority of them is actually to, to repay the debt.
0: Okay, that's interesting that that's going to be something they have to tackle, I suppose, before they can think about perhaps saving for those other um, important sort of pots of money. Um, So it's a different set of issues, I suppose, to the ones their parents might have faced at their age.
1: Absolutely, but of course, if they if they have been have a, you know the, lucky enough to, to receive a windfall or an inheritance etc from the parents at, a, at a some point or grandparents maybe, the, the paying off debt then allows maybe more surplus income, which then can be directed towards pension planning, uh, retirement planning. So uh, you know you can swing it around the other way. So. If we can release them of you know um, of, of those mortgage payments or a huge huge chunk of it, and then and then get them started into that savings habit, um, that that's still you know that's probably quite good planning for most people.
0: Well, hopefully um, this will encourage more advisors to start those conversations if they haven't already with the uh, the next generation. I'm sh- I'm sure it will do. Thank you very much, Justin, for joining us on this week's podcast.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for chatting to me, Ellie.
0: And for those listening, do join us at the same time next week for another FT Advisor podcast.
1: Ever catch yourself eating the same
0: flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm.